Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Hey, people, before we get to today's episode, um, this was recorded like I now feel so long ago. Um, It was recorded in like the last week of February, I think. So before everything COVID-19 happened, um, when quarantine went into effect, I was like, oh, I'll just put this episode on hold. And, you know, in three weeks when quarantine's over, I'll release it. And three months later, here we are. So I didn't want to sit on it anymore um, or any longer. So I'm releasing it now with the pretext that obviously this was not recorded in person in New York. Um, and I also want to just provide like a small tidbit from Wenjay regarding what Local Roots has done since the COVID-19 pandemic. So when the city started to show signs of shutting down, they made the decision to continue operations because getting produce to the people is as important as a part of their mission. Um, in 48 hours, they changed their business model from 90 95% of their customers picking up at a local roots pop-up market, which we'll talk about in this episode, um, to post-pandemic where 90% of their customers opted for delivery. So to put it into perspective, only about 50 of their customers used to opt for delivery. And now they're doing about like just over a thousand per week. So in those 48 hours, Wenjay and one of the other employees learned routing software, converted all of their customers to delivery and hired and trained 10 times more staff, um, which was mainly made up of formerly laid off restaurant workers due to the shutdown. So if you are in New York right now, you can subscribe for their summer harvest at localrootsnyc.com and either opt for contactless delivery in Brooklyn, Manhattan and Queens or pick it up at their limited marketed locations or limited market locations in Carroll Gardens, Bushwick, Upper East Side, and Soho. So without further ado, here's a very, what feels like old recording, um, but great episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. Hey guys, happy Friday. I'm here at Samsung 837 with Wen Ying, who is the founder of Local Roots NYC. Welcome. Hi, we are in this incredible future Isn't it studio. Cool? I'm amazed at how I know everything is around us. I know it's really cool. And if you ever go into the kitchen space, it's insane. Oh the God. like Samsung kitchen appliances. It's really wild. What? I gotta go. There. Yeah, you gotta just like explore. Yeah, yeah. You can come whenever you want. Wander around after this podcast. I'm going up there. Yeah, it's and they have a maman up there too. Oh my God! I know everything. Very hip. Um, well, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. And this is our first time meeting, although I feel like we've done so many similar collaborations almost. Mm-hmm. So I've known of you through the Yumly team oh, because great. you were there, I think, right before I shot my content. Oh, my God. And Tim was like, do you want to take photos in the kitchen? I'm like, yeah, can I? And he's like, yeah, of course. Look at what this woman did. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'll take photos. <laughs> oh, my God. I took so much content there. I know. I awesome. love that team, too. So great. They're so much fun. Love them. Really, Okay, really that's awesome so funny. People. Now I now I realize. Okay. Yes. Because I didn't know. They, they were talking about you. And I was like, that person sounds cool. <laughs> Well, now we're meeting. Now we're meeting. Um, so to kick things off, how would you define success? Uh, it's such a good question. I Thank actually you. think about that pretty often. For me, success is that I am running a business where my team is executing everything themselves independently, putting all their own ideas and passion into it. Mm-hmm. And it also means that success is I am authentically bringing New Yorkers a really incredible service and product and supporting our farms in the best way that we can and really changing our food system. Mm -hmm. And it also means personally that I have really taken care of nurturing a social life, having strong connections with my family and um, learning how to just relax and yeah. also just to always be curious about the world. Mm-hmm. I really like that you took that so many different directions. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm a very holistic person. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I mean, been? I've lived in New York for I've lived in New York City for 14 years. Okay. And at this point, 
I I really think about like how to stay truly happy in New York. Yeah. It's a very hard city to be happy in for that long. Yeah, you really have to think about it where I feel like a lot of other places you don't. Exactly. And for me, it's a lot of just creating boundaries and understanding like when I really need to leave the city or when I really have to go to a museum or mm-hmm. when I have to just remind myself that I don't need to fall into this routine that everyone else looks like they're being part of also. Yes. So for me, it's like, you know, I, I'm not a competitive person. I'm not trying to compare myself to everyone on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think that's also part of being totally. here. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. The comparison trap is very real. And I think it's on steroids in New York. Because A, people are making absorbent amounts of money here. Unfortunately, also on the other side of the spectrum. But mm-hmm. what we consume and surround ourselves with is usually people making a ton of financial success. And then also like doing everything under the sun and then being really successful. And it's so easy to just sit back and consume it all and unfortunately compare it to how you're doing. Yeah, like one thing I think I'll never figure out in life yeah. is how people do all those things so well. Yes. I'm like, I don't understand. You already did two hours of working out and you did this intense job and then you're going to dinner and then you're going to probably like meditate. And then I'm like, I don't understand how you're doing all those things. Yes. To such extremes also. Um, I think also my parents, I come from Chinese parents from Mm -hmm. China who came here like in the 70s. My parents are just people who are constantly comparing me. I just grew up with my parents comparing me. To other people, people. it's a very, like, Chinese-American thing to do. Yes. So it's just bred in me to compare myself to other people. And so it's taken a lot of effort to just not focus on that and Mm -hmm. just focus on my own journey. Yeah. It's definitely difficult to let go of what was ingrained in you as a child. Yeah. And, like, for me, my parents are super competitive, and I grew up Mm -hmm. super competitive. And that was mainly focused on sports, but even – It translated to all aspects of my life, and it's now kind of rewiring that and keeping some form of competitive edge because I do think it's what's made me successful or one of the things, but also allowing myself to like not obsess over having to be the best or being better than the person next to me or even being competitive with my own self, you know, Mm -hmm. like constantly stressing about whether I'm improving or better than or comparing to how I used to be. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting journey. It is such a hard journey, especially because like, okay, I'm I'm 35. Okay. And I feel like I'm at this age where I'm acknowledging that I am my own person, which yes. it seems crazy to do after 35 years. But it really is, you know, like you created your own identity. Yeah. Like your own true identity, understanding who you are versus what your parents want you to be, who you are versus your own cultural identity. Mm-hmm. All those different things is definitely a lot of work because there's always the thought of like, I should be this, right? Yes. Or um, that to me, I feel like, um, I think that's actually what the most beautiful thing is about having my own business for myself because mm-hmm. I'm so deeply connected to my work is it's been this tr- like, tremendous way of understanding who I really am and what I really love and the ways that I interact in this world. Yeah. And what you value Mm -hmm. and what you want to put work into and finances into and like what you envision for the future. I kind of feel the same way and I've never actually thought about that. Mm -hmm. But it has been a very interesting journey because it's, you know, your business is what you put into it. And it hopefully can grow the way that you want it to grow and Mm -hmm. making sure that you're putting out the correct product or whatever it may be that you feel so passionately about. Yeah. And I, I feel like a couple months ago I went home from work and I like felt really depressed. Yeah. I was just really overworked. I've been doing the same thing for at that point, probably seven and a half years. Um, and I was like, there's no point in me doing what I'm doing if I'm not happy doing it. Yes. You know, even if people are like, oh, my God, it's so cool. You have your own company and you're doing such good stuff, you know, yep. whatever, blah, blah. But still, in the end, like, it doesn't matter if I'm making other people happy if I'm not happy mm-hmm. doing it. And it's also just in terms of sustainability, right? Like, if I want to have a serious long-term impact on my community, that means that I have to be more patient, take things slower, so that I'm always going to be passionate about this work I'm mm-hmm. doing. Um Yes, that's definitely part of the journey of 
realigning success. I mean, for me, it's never been about making money. If I was that, I would never be selling local yeah. produce. Um, but I definitely had more of a need to like check off things off my like to-do list mm-hmm. or, you know, I would compare myself a lot more with other people and it just wasn't making me happy. So Yeah, and I think I want to talk a lot about your business, but on mm-hmm. that point, I've had a lot of aspects of Freckled Foodie as a company where I've spent time focused on certain things. For instance, when I first left my job, I was meal prepping for clients. So I was going into their homes, cooking in their kitchens and preparing food for them. And when I left the corporate America to go do that, I was like, this is going to be amazing. I make my own hours. I love cooking. I love meal prepping. I'll get paid to do it. And I started to realize this is not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy. And then it was, why am I continuing to do something day after day that's not making me happy when I've made the decision to be my own boss. Mm-hmm. Like it's only so cool, quote unquote, in, until you're no longer happy yeah, doing yeah. it. And so then forming a pivot and finding whatever aspect of the company I am passionate about. So I totally agree that happiness in some form, no matter whether you are working for quote unquote the man or your own boss, like that has to be ingrained in some aspect of your career. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's going to get old real freaking fast. Yeah, and I definitely think it takes courage to realize that the life you want is probably not going to be what the majority of people are doing. Yeah. Not even, like, the kind of work, but just the way your lifestyle is, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, valuing happiness, I I don't know if that's what everyone does. Especially in this city. In this city, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a hundred (laughs) percent. So can you tell us about your business, Local Roots NYC, and give us, like, the elevator pitch, I guess? I would love to. Um, It's funny. Once someone's like, give me your elevator pitch, all of a sudden my brain stops working. Same. But uh, Local Roots was founded in 2011 by myself. And the mission is to heal our food system. We bring a subscription-based farmer's market to New Yorkers. Mm. Everything is hyper-local, beyond organic, where you essentially pre-order on our website for categories of food, either like vegetables or meat or fruit. Um, everything's from a farm within two hours of New York City. We vetted all of our farmers based on the values that we really um, want to see in this world. Mm -hmm. And then you would go as a customer to a pickup location in your neighborhood, say it's a bar or cafe that we partnered up with, or you can offer home delivery. So the pickup experience is really beautiful. It looks like a farmer's market. So imagine walking into a bar in your neighborhood Mm -hmm. and then nestled into the bar is it looks like a farmer's market. You bring your own bag. I've seen it. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. You know, yeah. But I love that you're providing this for everyone else. Well, you know, I provide a picture because a lot of people are like, I don't understand. You pick up food at a bar. How does that work? Yeah, I want more a little bit on that. And like, yeah, are yeah. there somehow deals ingrained where it's like, get your CSA and get some drinks? Well, it's funny because we've done things like wine tastings every week yeah. at our pickup locations. And we'll have like deals for mm-hmm. customers. To me, it was important to have a bars and cafes because I wanted grocery shopping to be social. Okay. And the this model of subscribing to a local farm called the CSA, mm-hmm. um, to me at the time, eight and a half years ago, it was very much, um, it just didn't feel fun to me. Usually you pick up at like a, a church or a synagogue where it felt really sterile to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted this to feel like it's just part of your life, right? You're probably going to the bar anyway, meet your friends. Why yeah. don't you pick up your groceries? Don't make it a chore. This is a fun thing. Um, we also provide recipe cards. Um, all of our markets are run by volunteers, and they're always there to like have just like have us like bring a smile to your day mm-hmm. to offer recipe ideas, um, which I think is so key because you know today I was buying like a chocolate bar at a grocery store, so it's like the few times I'll actually go to the grocery store, and this mm-hmm. woman. I mean, I get it. She's probably bored at work, but she's like talking on her iPhone while she's checking while she's me checking out. out. And there was no feeling of like, hey, how's it going? You know? Yeah. So to me to have that personal connection when you're picking up food and actually to have someone to kind of guide you through what to cook mm-hmm. is really, really special. Definitely. Um, and so, also very unique. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping, yeah. It and is. It, it definitely is something that people resonate with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's lots of values that we have at Local Roots that I think are talked about now a lot, you know, like people really value community and mm-hmm. 
Transparency now local, yeah. But honestly, in 2011, that wasn't really spoken about. You know, like the only way you could trust an organization to be doing good in this world, it was usually defined as a nonprofit. Yeah. But I specifically wanted it to be a business because I wanted to show people that businesses could have a positive impact in the community. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, and what's so the benefits are, you know, the food that we have is so so delicious because it's super local, because it comes from farms we've vetted, the food tastes amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget how good it is until people are like, this, I've never had anything like this. Um, And yeah, it's, it's, for me, it's great to know that we're supporting the people that care so much about feeding us good food. I love everything about this. And I have a ton of questions. Yeah. First being, how the hell do you choose the farms? Okay, so how do I find them? How do I choose them? Both, I guess. I find a lot of farms from conferences I go to. So I'm like such a geek about learning more about this uh, industry. So Mm -hmm. whether it's farming conferences or soil health conferences, I will just – because I know that if they're there, they're probably at the forefront of their industry because they're thinking about these really innovative techniques. Right. So I'll find them through there. I will ask the farms we work with if they have friends that are looking. Um, But our our standards are that, one, they're local. Mm -hmm. Two, they're growing organically or whatever that standard is in their industry. Um, They're good people because we want to know that we're giving our money to good people and feel good about supporting them, that they treat their employees well. They have products that other people that are harder to find. Um, So we want to make sure that what we're giving people, even though it's within this category of local and seasonal, it is as diverse as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And then most importantly, that they can deliver to New York City. That's one of the biggest hurdles, actually. Yeah, I'm sure. Is the logistics and those that they deliver to New York City within the days we need it. Because we don't store... like. Okay, if you go to the grocery store, mm-hmm. they are probably storing your produce in their fridge for like days and days before it gets to the, even yeah. the shelf, right? We have our deliveries on Tuesday morning. You're getting your food on Tuesday morning. So to, we have to make sure our farmers have the schedule where they can deliver within that time period to make it super fresh for our customers. Okay. Yeah. Logistically, mm. I have so much respect it for you. It is a hot mess. Because this <laughs> is, is so a hard. fucking nightmare to me. Yeah, and I have hard. so much respect for anyone that's able to do this. And honestly, one of the reasons I did not enjoy meal prepping was the logistic aspect of it all. Like, I don't like – I'm a bit of a control freak. Yeah. And so having a business that's run by so many things that are kind of out of your control would send me into a tailwind or that's, tailspin. That's so funny because I never thought about how that part of my personality is the reason why I can do this. Is that 100%. I am so good at just – and I've also learned this through – local roots yeah. is just going with the flow of things because you can't control so much of things, right? right? Like you could have the lettuce that you told the farm you needed could, maybe it was too sunny one day and it bolted. And then the morning that you're supposed to get a delivery, the farm was like, we don't have those 500 heads of lettuces. Or, you know, recently our meat farmer was like, hey, um, our staff forgot to put in like 200 pounds of chicken in the truck for you. Sorry. <laughs> or, yeah, well, it's like, me, I or can't. it's like, hey, there's a holiday and our warehouse is closed and they just told us like yesterday, this happens all the time. Or yeah. like our, our pickup points, it's like, oh, we didn't tell you, but they're actually renting out our cafe to film a movie in. And it's like, well, literally our pickup is in an hour. So there's all these things where you're like, oh, but you're just able to – have you always been like that or um, – I mean, I'm a pretty low-key, like pretty laid-back person. But I think the problem-solving of it I've learned a lot about and yeah. kind of just like not freaking out, just knowing that there's always a solution for everything. It just depends on how creative you want to be with it. Yeah. Which is interesting because that also I think translates to the kitchen. Yeah. The creativity aspect of it all. And that's how I cook. Like I – 
I cannot follow a recipe. I can't either, which is funny because I make them, but I can't follow them. I can make them too. I just can't follow them. Yep. And then when I'm making it, I'm like, who the hell is going to read this? Yep. <laughs> but people, I mean, I understand. And then people are like, how much salt? I'm like, oh my God, just, I don't know, <laughs> just put salt. The salt in. I know, just, you add it. Yeah, so I just actually started a cooking channel on my IGTV mm. where I'm releasing episodes every week and it's called Do That-ish because everything I say is like, well, just do that. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, ish measurement. Like, I, I don't measure. Just yeah. put salt-ish. Yeah. And I feel the same. Like, I can't bake for this exact reason. Oh, my God. Me too. Because I can't follow it. Yeah. And then it fucks up. Like, there's no, you can't experiment. Don't you feel like there's something in your brain? Like, I will, I'll read it. Oh, same. And then I'm like, mm, I just don't want to. Yeah. No, <laughs> like, like, I'll actively look at it. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'll just throw these things in there it's so weird it's so it's, funny it's really really but I, I totally get it because if it's any okay for example if i am uh say i'm like in an exercise class right yeah i am very very much like tell me every little thing i'm supposed to be doing correctly yes but obviously because it's our industry that we're like oh whatever yeah <laughs> No, I agree. In an exercise, I'm like, why aren't they correcting my form? Like, I know. I'm which like, foot am I doing this with? Yeah. Like, where am I supposed to feel this? That's the biggest one for me. I'm like, in Pilates, I'm like, tell me exactly oh, what muscle I'm supposed to feel this in I so I know same, I'm doing it right. Yes, I'm the same yes. way. I'm like, I need to focus on this muscle. Yeah. What were you doing before this? Um, I was playing in bands. Really? I was I had I was in like seven bands at the time. Cool. What what instrument? I played the bass, guitar, and I sang and I played the violin. Wow. So that's also I think where more of my personality of like just figuring things out. It's from like the underground music scene. Yeah. And the night like I don't know if it's stupidity or just like the ability to think, Oh, I guess I'll just start a business without like any understanding of how to run a business yes. because bands at that time of New York City, you know, like 10 years ago is beautiful because you want to play a show, you just like book a show for yourself and there's all these underground venues to play at. Mm -hmm. If you want to like book a tour around the, the world, you can just do that if you just put the effort into it. And that's definitely my mentality for everything. You know, like I'm pretty sure I, I don't see many boundaries. I'm usually mm -hmm. just like, you know, just, I don't know, figure out how to do that. Yeah. Um, but I have, I've, I've been trying to teach myself to have more of a plan now because mm -hmm. I think that mentality can only get you so far well it can take you far yes and no but especially if you're responsible for a team that's what it is yeah yes. once you have a team is when you're like oh shit because other people are relying on you so you have to be a little bit more structured and organized in the sense of having a clear mission rather than just going as every day on its own because you're so responsible for other people more than just yourself. Yeah, and having to convey an idea you want or a project, yeah. you have to, otherwise they're going to be completely lost and then you'll be upset. So I've definitely had to learn that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's fun. Like, I like, I always like learning things. But yeah, so besides playing music, I, before this was doing AmeriCorps for a food justice nonprofit. Okay. That's my first introduction to like CSAs and That's what I was going to ask. How the hell did you... Yeah, go from um, music to this. It was really I. I was really struggling in New York to figure out like what I was supposed to be doing. I was like, maybe mm -hmm. I'll join the army. I don't know. Like, I have nothing to do here. Yeah. I came to New York City to do fashion, and that was very quickly didn't enjoy the industry. Okay. Um, and where did you grow up? Long Island. Okay. <laughs> you know the malls, <laughs> um, and. So my ex-boyfriend at the time was like, hey, here's this article. I found it interesting. I think you'd like it. And it was how there's a decline of supermarkets in New York City. People are relying on like convenience stores to get their food and they're getting sick from it. And it's creating all these health issues in New York. And um, for someone who loves New York so much, I felt so sad because I'm like, the city with so much has this one thing they really need that they don't have access to. Really mm -hmm. good food. And then that same ex-boyfriend, very kind person, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was like, hey, I know you want to – I wanted to really work for a nonprofit for affordable housing. And he was like, I know you want to work at a nonprofit. Here's this AmeriCorps program, and there's this nonprofit that is looking for people to work there. I think you like it. These girls, like, walk around with their shoes off. It's pretty laid back. And I was like, done. That's <laughs> all I had yeah. to hear. I was like, no shoes. Laid back, females, I was like, this is perfect. 
And that was my first even interest of like looking at food beyond just consuming it. Yeah. Um, and it's very addicting, you know, like once you, I'm sure you know, like once it's, you do it's it. It's hard to turn off. Yeah. I struggle with it sometimes in mm-hmm. the sense, also because I have a little bit of, of an obsessive past mm-hmm. um, where, you know, once you learn about organic versus non-organic or grass-fed versus not and all of that, it's really hard to then sometimes turn it off when you can't control whatever you're eating. Yeah, you and have to be like okay finding with the that world. balance. Yeah. Because, like, for me, when I go home, like, in the very beginning, once I learned all of this, and I was like, I only want to eat organic foods, and very anal about the, especially meat I was consuming and fish, and we all have the choice to be, and the ability to be able to do that. However, it definitely caused, like, some arguments with my family. Oh, And I'd yeah. go home to Jersey, and I'm like, Mom, why don't you get organic blueberries? And she, or, like, can we get some organic chicken? And there was also this barrier of, my parents in being inundated with like the labels and marketing of food and not fully understanding the entire background because mm-hmm. they come from different generations, simply, you know, like the low fat generation mm-hmm. or low calorie and all of that. And it's all about the labels. And if something says healthy, then it's organic. And mm-hmm. just little battles on that where I'm like, no, this, and it, it was, I had to take a step back to teach them. And then I also had to take a step back to realize it's okay I yeah. don't have to eat 100% of this way. I can just try to eat more of that way when I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. I know that that part is very challenging, yeah. right? Is, I have the same thing with my, when I visit my family or if they're visiting me. Mm-hmm. I I refuse. I get, I get pissed at my parents. Yeah. I'm like, why did you guys go to Chinatown and get this food when you could just ask me for something better? Or like, why would you even, you know, like mm-hmm. it's – it always it, it actually feels offensive to me. One because they know what I do. Yeah. And which two, is fair. I'm like I'm not gonna. I don't want to eat that. And yeah. I'll tell my mom like I'm not I'm not eating that. <laughs> and I'll be a bitch about it. I'm like I'll cook my own food. I don't want to eat that. But there there are some things I will um, I would never eat from the supermarket or not from local roots. And um, what are those? For some reason, it's salad mix and eggs. <laughs> Very I don't fair. Know why. I will only eat very specific eggs. Eggs is one thing I'm really weird about. Yeah. I think because the concept, like I've just seen videos, and then the fact that you're actually like cracking an egg. Like once I really acknowledged it, I can't go back. Yeah, it's it's so strange because okay, like at a, a restaurant, right? Like I'll eat meat. Mm-hmm. Or if my mom, I mean, I won't eat shitty meat at home. For some reason it feels different. Totally. But I won't get an egg usually at a restaurant because I don't I don't know I'll eat sushi like raw fish not knowing where it comes from I know but there are just certain things that we wire ourselves yeah and I guess eggs for me eggs are such a simple thing to to buy correctly true to me it feels like that and salad mix I'm like most salad mix I eat in this world unless it's ours is totally bland but what about if you're getting a salad from somewhere like, you won't buy it at the grocery store, but would you go get a salad from, like, a sweet cream? Yeah, but I'm not happy about it. Okay. Like, I'm really not. I'm like, oh, damn it. And sometimes I'll actually – I'll get a salad, and then I'll I'll bring some of my own salad mix, and I'll sprinkle it in so I can feel a little better about it. I need to eat your salad I mix. know. It's, it's kind of like – I'm definitely, like, that weirdo, you know? That's, you can do whatever the hell you want. I think also because salad mix will one, the flavor, but I – you know, once you know how long salad has been sitting around for on, on the shelves, yes. usually. And then once you eat, like, one slimy, let, like, green. No, you're like, slimy this is disgusting. Disgusting. I hate it. Oh. So with local roots, you're obviously providing extremely fresh local ingredients, I guess is the term, because mm-hmm. it's not just fruits and vegetables, yeah. to people. For someone, well, two questions. Do you eventually want to scale outside of New York? Yes. Okay. For someone that's not in New York and able to be a part of Local Roots, what advice would you give them if they're listening to this? Because, yes, a large amount of my audience is in New York, but not everyone. Yeah, of course. So for someone listening to this who is trying to be more intentional in the ingredients that they're purchasing, I guess is the best way to put it, Mm -hmm. what would your advice be? I definitely would say take it easy and take it in little steps. Yes. I think we get way too bogged down with this idea of like having to do everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, like my obsession with eggs and salad mix, maybe it just means for yourself picking one or two items that you really just want to source responsibly. Yeah. And if it's eggs, um, if there's a supermarket that would have pasture-raised eggs, I would do that. The best thing for you would be one step above a supermarket would be the farmer's market, right? Mm -hmm. And then a step above the farmer's market, I would actually say is a CSA. Okay. Or a co-op. But you're looking for, for eggs, a label that says pasture-raised. Um, it's a little hard with the egg industry. And it's there's a little hard. So it's very things. hard with all food because people think there's all these regulations. There's actually very little regulations mm -hmm. around labeling. So, like, even the word pasture-raised, cage-free, all those things, no one's really regulating it, which is why it's so important. Like I said, like, if you go to a farmer's market or a CSA or, you know, you can ask the farmer about their practices. Yeah. But cage-free means nothing. It means that mm. a hen has one square foot to live in, which is horrible. Yeah. And if even if you don't care about the livelihood of this hen, that's totally fine. Um, but it does mean that your eggs are not going to be as tasty. Your eggs are not going to be as nutrient-dense. I also believe, and this is woo-woo of me, but I believe spirit. in like spirit energy yeah. that you're consuming. And I think – I've been way more attentive lately with like the protein specifically that mm -hmm. I'm consuming where like I'll eat beef or chicken out once in a while. But I prefer if I'm eating beef and chicken to be cooking it myself where I know it's grass fed. You know, I do butcher box and all of that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, but I think that there is just something like you're consuming another living thing mm -hmm. and it has either a great life or a really shitty life and yeah. it's filled with nutrients or it's filled with shit mm -hmm. and you're consuming that. And also, I, I'm totally with that also and I think there's only one, there's usually only one visual of meat production and it's mm -hmm. usually a CAFO it's usually it's really shitty you know animals are stuck in one small area which is the majority of how meat is yeah but if you go to a really great farm and you see how much these farmers care about these animals and how much they value them like I mean they respect these being so much so much and they're providing them with their livelihood honestly yeah. and so when when i think when you can respect an animal and show that care and love to these animals that animal is going to feel the appreciation they're living mm -hmm. beings also so i definitely i definitely feel the same way with you yeah. about like that um i was just gonna say with the egg thing <laughs> um this is also why i like get geeky about eggs is uh Everyone thinks, okay, if I can have a golden yolk, that means it's a really good egg, right? Yeah. But there's ways to feed a hen so that their yolks are different colors. Right. That's why if you go to, like, for example, Japan, they really love their yolks to be more reddish or mm -hmm. orange, and that's from paprika. You can do things like turmeric or, you know, so. Interesting. There's definitely, I mean, scientists have done this research because companies know they can market their eggs better if it's certain certain color yolk right yep. so that's another reason why i really think people need to find just one or two products where they know a lot about mm -hmm. and they are getting directly from a really good source do you guys have and if not maybe this is a good idea but a breakdown of like somewhere on the website different labelings and that type of stuff you know what's funny is that we don't <laughs> But you should. I know, I know. It's funny. We, I actually, I have something that one of our volunteers made a while ago and I need to just refresh it. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. It's it's kind of a shame that I feel like I talk about these things a lot in interviews and, you know, and I we never find a good way to put it out as content, but right. we definitely should. Because I think so for confusing. someone, even for me, I get overwhelmed by it and I'm in the industry. So yeah. for someone like whether it's my mom or someone my age who just doesn't know or especially people living in like less of a wellness bubble such as New York, maybe in like middle America, it can be like, ah, uh, what? I don't know what anything is. I'm just going to grab the thing that's mm -hmm. either most expensive because it's probably the best or least expensive because I'm on a budget. Yeah. And neither of those are really always the answer. So I feel like it'd be helpful. Maybe it's something we can collab on. No, yeah, but like yeah. creating something should, like yeah. that, I feel like would be so helpful. I know it's 
it's really a shame that this is something I've been thinking about for like five years. Well, here it is. Now you have here to do it. it and we have to do here. it. That's true. Great. I feel the same way about how people become vegetarian is because a lot of times people are like, I don't know how to make the right choice for yes, me. I'm just not going to do it. Not. But then that's fine if you don't want to eat meat, but just don't think that eating lots of soy products, fake meat yep. is the good option because as you know, like Ugh. that's probably worse for your health Don't and worse even. for <laughs> I get so many emails from brands that are like, we created this like oh. better for you chicken nugget that has no chicken in it. And I'm like, how is this better for me? Yeah. This is all processed shit. I'd rather eat vegetables, fine, but like this is not better for me. Yeah. It makes me so angry. It makes me so angry. <laughs> you seem like a very passionate person on this topic, which mm -hmm. I so appreciate. But I'm curious, what is your favorite characteristic about yourself? Ooh. Be funny if I said being humble. No. Um, that's a good characteristic. I think curiosity. Yeah. Um, I will I'm that person to ask a million questions after someone's like talking at a lecture or I'm always trying to understand how something works. Mm -hmm. I think being curious helps with problem solving. Definitely. It helps with creating something that is unique. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious about people, so I'm, I'm really interested and drawn to just creating relationships. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Well, my favorite thing about myself is probably my loyalty and depth of emotions. Mm -hmm. I feel things really hard. Like, I love extremely hard to, like, an, a level that actually frightens me. But I also, like, I can hate hard, which also frightens me. Oh, my God. I'm kind of the same way. Like, I go both ways. And I love so hard and I'm so loyal that, like, if you cross someone that I love, you're you're toast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but my my dad said it in my wedding speech the best way. He's like, no one feels hard, things harder than Cammy. She loves hard and she hates hard. Like, I just – but it is one of my favorite characteristics about myself because yeah. I think with that, I put a lot into relationships, but I also expect a shitload back. Mm -hmm. But when you're one of my people, like you're, I'll do anything for you. You know, it's funny. I, I've been thinking a lot about that second part you just said about expecting a lot back. Yes. That's something I'm working on. I think I'm just letting go. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. Like I, I'm really trying, my 2020 goal was to be, more generous of a human being mm -hmm. with my love. And for me, it means showing love. And this is not at all associated with you as a person. It's fine. It's my, my own thing where I feel like often I will give love. And if I don't get it back in the same exact way that I can see or feel, I get sad. I'm like, I feel like slighted. I'm, like, I'm the youngest yeah. also. Okay. But – and then that feels like, well, shit, am I giving love with also the hope of getting it back? Like, that's not fair, right? Yes. And that's not fair because we don't want to give love circumstantially mm -hmm. and with consequences. Yeah. And that's. But then there's the other side of like, well, then when you don't do be you know advantage to stop? Of. Yeah. When do you know yeah. to stop giving love? So my whole thing, my mom is like the definition of unconditional love. Mm -hmm. Like you could do anything and she would, I could do anything and she would still love me. Um, and same with like her very close friends and she will drop anything in her life for someone that she loves. And so for me, I think that's where I've gotten my loyalty from and that aspect of things. However, I do have high expectations for friends and I think that's fair to do because I think there are different types of relationships and I, what I've come to accept is that I can't control other people's behavior and I also can't harp on someone continuing to do the same thing mm -hmm. because if I continue to get so upset by it and go back and back and back and they keep doing it like I'm more at fault than they are almost because I'm continuously thinking that I can change them right and it becomes more of a thing of like accepting that person for what they are and whatever that behavior is and yes there's always the opportunity for you to be like you know what I don't want to be around that behavior and that's your decision yeah and so I've step back from a few relationships and not that there has to be like a hard line of like, oh, we're not friends anymore, but I'm just not going to put in as much because, you know, it's it's kind of just work for me now to put in all of this mm -hmm. and get nothing back. And it's also self-compassion. Like I yeah. was at, there's a, there's a Buddhist um, temple in Gowanus that I used mm -hmm. to go to and they had these nuns come by, these monks come by and 
I asked them, I was like, how do you stay, how do you continue to give compassion in New York City when it feels so depleting sometimes? Yes. And they really just talked about self-compassion. You know, I, I try to think about it as like, if, if I was someone else, if I was looking at myself as a person, like a friend, mm-hmm. how would I treat them? And I need to give that kind of treatment attention really to myself, right? Yeah, absolutely. Which is so hard. Really hard. I mean, we're, we are our own hardest critics. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked on that, especially this past year, of being mm-hmm. kinder to myself. And I finally feel like I'm in a place where I don't speak to myself in a way that I wouldn't speak to someone else. Yeah. Which has been a long journey. But I think similar to what you were just saying with the New York thing, it's like it's hard for me because I also feel like we're so numb to certain things living here. Like the shit you see on a daily basis. Like you walk by someone on the street sometimes and you're like, I don't know if that person's dead or just homeless, yet I keep walking. Yeah. And that scares me every once in a Mm -hmm. while. And so I've, I, I didn't consciously make this effort, but I started to notice the more I engaged with people in a way of like, making them feel seen because I think that's the biggest thing we can provide someone with. Mm. And, you know, whether it's, for instance, a security guard who's at Samsung right now, like I've been in this studio for a year and he's always a security guard. Mm. And I don't know why I never really had conversations with him. And so last month I was like, excuse me, what's your name? And he was like, me? I'm like, yeah, what's your name? Like, I want to know you. I want to be your friend. I want to talk to you. I want to treat you the way that you deserve to be treated. And, you know, the people that are, like, volunteering on the streets that every New Yorker puts on their headphones and looks down and, like, runs away from, Mm -hmm. I don't really want to engage. You know, I'll volunteer where I want to volunteer and I'll donate my money. I don't feel like I need to be inundated with information. However, instead of just actively ignoring them and being rude, the other day someone asked me, like, excuse me, ma'am, do you have a second to hear about, like, children that are being held at the border? And I was like, I don't right now, but thank you so much for what you're doing. Because they are doing a good thing. It's yeah. just New Yorkers hate those people. <laughs> yeah. That's, I think, very kind. I think one time I told someone I had a poop really badly and I yeah. couldn't talk to them. It was kind of true, but yeah, I was still fair. like, I can't talk to you. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think acknowledging even, people even is acknowledging, the thing. Yeah. Even acknowledging, oh, to me, it's such a pet peeve. If I'm in an elevator in my apartment building. Yes. And people don't talk to you. I'm like, we're goddamn neighbors. Yes. We live in the same place. How are you not going to say hi to me? I have one neighbor that like, doesn't stop talking. So I'm kind oh, of okay. like, I don't want to talk. <laughs> but the other ones, well, everyone talks about the weather, which yeah. is just like, oh my God. I know. I'm like, can we not? But even just like, have a good day or have a nice night. Yeah. Like I'm always amazed. I say to everyone that gets off the elevator. Yeah. And some of them will turn around and be like, oh, oh, oh thanks. I'm like, that's normal. I know. Get I'm a like, dog and everyone will fucking talk to you. I know. Everyone I know, in my I building know. knows who I am now because I have a dog. Yeah, Everyone. They're like, oh, Charlie. Duh, duh, duh. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's so funny. And that's actually, that's also why I feel so passionate about local roots is that I really wanted to bring like a small town vibe to New York City. Yes, you know, a that's place what it, where that's like, lacks. And it's so, it, it's to me, it is every time I go there, even after eight and a half years of having this business, every time I go to one of our pickup points and I see the way people interact, I want to cry every time because it's so special. I'm like, that is so freaking cute that these two strangers picking up their food next to each other will just turn to each other and be like, oh my God. I'm so excited for these beats. I haven't had beats this good since I was a kid growing up in Europe. You know, things like that where it's – and no one even thinks twice about it. They're not like, oh, is this weird? No, they're just just comfortable. It's this natural way of talking to people, which is so, so incredible. That makes me so happy. You're giving them like a cheers, like a little community. I think community is one thing that I struggle with a lot in New York because for me – Like, I love the idea of being a local somewhere or, like, knowing your neighborhood people. And interesting, back to my puppy, like, we live across from this Italian restaurant Mm. that's incredible. We've been before, but haven't gone in forever. And one of the guys who is maybe, like, a back chef, but also, like, a waiter. I'm not quite sure what his role is, but he's always, like, you know how the restaurants have, like, the underground that have, like, the stairs, like, the doors open on the sidewalk? I don't know what the term for that is. And... When we first got our puppy, it was right next to where we would take him to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. So the same worker would always come out and he's like, oh, my God, I love your dog. I love your dog. Can I feed him cheese? So Charlie is obsessed with this guy now. And we've had him for four months. And this man and Charlie have this bond that now I have with this guy. And, like, 
Charlie sprints to the restaurant. If he sees oh the door God. open, he loses his mind. And like, I don't know, it just provided this small sense of like, A, this would never happen somewhere outside of New York. This isn't happening in like the suburbs. But it's providing that weird kind of community in an odd way. Mm-hmm. But it really makes my heart happy. Yeah, you know, I've been living in the same neighborhood for 14 years. Wow. And I've always been like, I really want to have, I want to just be like a, like a regular somewhere. Yes. And even after 14 years, I cannot do it. It's so hard. And I think it's, I I don't really go out to eat that often. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe it's, maybe I don't go to bars enough. Well, it's expensive, first of all. Yeah. Let's like make that very clear. Mm-hmm. To be a local, you have to go somewhere at least once a week. Yeah. Hopefully twice. It's expensive. Who is spending that much money? It's Second crazy. of all, with New York, the options are endless. Yeah. So you don't want to continue to go to the same freaking place because there are 20,000 just as amazing places. Yeah. And it's see, FOMO. there's a lot of turnover turn oh around my because my husband and I finally became locals at our favorite restaurant. We went on a little break for our wedding and honeymoon came back and no one we knew worked there and we had to start from ground zero. I know it's it's very exhausting. Yes. Plus turnover of like businesses going out of business oh, all the totally. time. Totally, we tried like, to make another place a new local spot that opened on our block. Four months later, closed. It's cr- yeah. <laughs> it's all the hard exhausting. work is wasted. <laughs> um, now that we're on food, my yeah. closing question. Well, we've talked about food, but restaurant wise, mm-hmm. um, what are the three ways to your heart through food? It could be very specific, like this exact dish from this place, mm. or like so generic. Hmm. Wow, surprisingly, I've never been asked that question. It's a very weird verbiage of saying that question. No, I love it, though. But I asked. It was my way that I would get to know people. Mm. Like, before this podcast, I asked it to everyone. Three ways to my heart through food. Yeah. I really love home-cooked food. Mm-hmm. I am not drawn to fine dining anymore okay i will always go for a mom pop spot if i'm going out to eat or just any kind of home-cooked meal is so good um specific chinese dishes that my mom used to make that is more commonly found in just like home style cooking restaurants maybe Mm -hmm. like what um there's a it's I've, i've actually seen it pop up on menus more often now but it's um a Chinese egg and tomato dish that you eat for dinner. That's one that my mom used to make. I I, I really love. There are just some like pork belly and rice dishes. Mm-hmm. I, my mom learned a lot of stuff from my grandmother who comes from a really small town. And there are some dishes that she would make that's only part, like only comes from that region, yeah. that one town. So it's kind of hard to find. Um, and I feel like when somebody either talks about or asks me about a spirit vegetable because that's something I ask people a lot. What, like what is your spirit vegetable? Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so when someone's telling me their spirit vegetable, it warms my heart because I'm thinking about who they are as a person, yeah. how they view themselves, and that they are thinking about food as more than just something to eat, but they're thinking about food as this vibrant, alive thing and every vegetable is unique, you know? What would your spirit? What's your spirit vegetable? Komatsuna. What is that? Am it's I- a Japanese green. Okay. Um, I love it because no one really knows about it. Yes. Um, it has a peppery flavor, but it's it's really easy to cook with. Like it just tastes good raw, cooked. It's not hard to it's not hard to eat. Um, it has all like the stems are edible, the leaves are edible. I love anything that's like completely sustainable. Yeah. Um, and it's a Japanese green. Um. I love going to Japan. I love Japanese food. Yeah, it's a really beautiful vegetable. It has these like long, slender leaves. I'm gonna but, Google this. Yeah, it's like a real. It's a gorgeous, sexy vegetable. I Very think. cool. Mm-hmm. What's yours? I was just thinking when you said that. I've never been asked that or thought of it. Mm-hmm. And my first thing goes to something that seems so silly, but I, it's something I love. And then I was thinking of why it would be my spirit vegetable: sweet potatoes. Ooh. And I think it's because a they're very versatile. But also, B, they can be in like a – because my approach to wellness is like living in the gray area and not being extreme on either end. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, I love a good salad or a smoothie or whatever, but like saddle me up with a burger and fr- like fries and chips and I don't say no to anything. And with sweet potatoes, I feel like they're very – like they can be – 
a big part of like a healthy quote unquote dish, but also I fucking love sweet potato fries. Mm. So like they kind of play both roles. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know. Like a good sweet potato hash with like eggs, you know, like a diner food. I and also know. sweet potato pie. I mean like. Yeah, yeah everything. Yeah. And like they're that. sweet, but also like rough. Mm-hmm. My, yeah, maybe that's fine. actually one of my heartwarming dish, like vegetables is because my dad. Love it. And so it's, it's a really it's a really common street food in Taiwan mm-hmm. is you see these like roasted big sweet potatoes. My dad used to get them as a kid. It was like a little treat he would get. You just, um, I think they would just wrap it in tin foil. But anyway, cause my dad used to love it so much as a kid as a street food. When we were kids, I had these visions of him standing by our outdoor grill, wearing a, a shower cap. Because he didn't want his hair to get smelly. And like dish gloves and like a wife beater and shorts. Just like sitting there staring, just like cooking these sweet potatoes. It's hilarious. Um, You know, my dad's kind of weird. So that's also, I'm glad you said that because it makes me like really happy to think about sweet potatoes. Great. (laughs) Glad I could bring that. Well, thank you so much for being on here. Yeah, thank you. This was so fun. For everyone listening, local roots and all that will be in the show notes. But where's the best place to like follow you and the journey of it all? Mm, I think at Local Roots NYC or my own personal, which is at Wenjie Ying. They're both pretty similar. One of them just has more pictures of me. Yeah. Well, everything will be in the show notes. Um, Thank you. It was so nice getting to meet you. you. Can I just give you one little shout out? Oh, of course. Um, And besides the the veggies and this, hello, there's (laughs) someone staring at me. (laughs) Um, People think like anyone's a celebrity in here. It's hilarious. so beyond the subscription-based farmer's market, yes. we have these farm-to-table experiences we bring oh, cool. to offices. So if you work in an office that is thinking about what ways we can engage health and wellness with our employees, hit us up. Yeah. And shout-out to my employees for working without me today and keeping everything together. Shout-out to those employees. Thank yeah. you for allowing her to be here. <laughs> and that's a really great idea. So if you're listening, check that out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there, at Freckled Foodie. 